Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, as we are working through the re-entry to work, the hybrid workforce, the fully back-to-work workforce, the fully virtual workforce, there's a lot of unknowns. And with the unknowns comes a lot of pressure for you, the HR professional. And even more than that, there's no clear path on what we're supposed to be doing. We're basically making this up as we go. And with that comes a ton of stress. Well, all of that sounds depressing until you realize that there are some people that have actually figured some of this stuff out. And that is the case with our guest today, Coach Karen Kenny. Now, Karen is a coach. She runs a coaching company out of Boston, and she focuses primarily on senior leaders, helping them understand how to manage stress better, how to make the most out of stressful situations. And she talks about what builds stress, why stress is important, but really for all of us, how to make better decisions even when we're loaded down with stress. So lots of good information about how to handle what we're going through right now, good perspectives from her experience. She's an author, speaker, coach, So why don't we let her do the talking? We had a great time together. I think you're really going to enjoy the information Karen brings us. So let's go ahead and buckle up our seatbelts. Make sure that personal item's tucked under the seat in front of you. Tell your nosy neighbor to mind their own business. It's time for us to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Karen Kenny, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. It's great to be here. Glad we could have you on the show. Yeah, this has been good. We we were talking earlier. It's been about over a month since we first connected, but... Uh, here we are. And in the span of that month, look, the world has changed, isn't it? Continuously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to stop either. I think it's going to keep going, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, a lot has happened. But I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I think your podcast is an incredible resource for so many HR leaders at a time when you and I were just talking about they need it more than ever. So uh, it's, it's an honor to be here and I hope it can be helpful. I know we can. Well, the topic is going to be on stress and burnout and all of the challenges facing HR professionals is now they're being dragged to the table, kicking and screaming, and they're not being let away from the table until they can come up with a plan. And frankly, 
there, I don't know if there could be a plan because we've never experienced this. Maybe in 1919, HR people struggled with the return to work after the Spanish pandemic or whatever it was, but this is all new. And so yeah. I know you've got some really good suggestions for us today and, and I'd love to dive in. But before we do, I'd love for our audience to hear more about you and the kind of work that you've done over your career and what you're doing now. So share that with us. Sure. Um, well, I've actually held, it's been a diverse career. I've held a number of leadership roles in companies ranging from small startups to very large multinational corporations. Um, but I would say the common thread for the past 20 years for me has been a focus on mental and physical well-being. Um, it really began with a journey, um, a, a company that I helped co-found in 2001, um, where we developed the world's first digital health coaching programs for people struggling with mental health, behavioral health issues, whether it be stress, anxiety, insomnia, depression, eating disorders, um, but a place where they can go and get confidential support whenever and wherever they needed it. And mental health was and is a huge passion for me because I lost a husband to a significant mental illness during a time when there wasn't much support for people and, and a lot of stigma. So people kept it very quiet, as did my husband. Um, he was an executive in a company. Um, so a very difficult time for him, for me, for my two daughters, um, who experienced a lot of trauma watching their dad struggle and eventually pass away. So then I experienced the challenges of raising two children as a single parent, at the same time trying to hold down a full-time job and travel and all the stress that comes with leadership roles. Um, but our company was acquired by J&J &J as part of the launch of their new health and wellness division. And at the same time, they acquired a company called the Human Performance Institute. So it was back in 2008. Um, and the Institute, which was co-founded by doctors Jim Lair and Jack Grapple, was focused on elevating human performance. They worked with some of the world's top athletes, military, special forces, hostage rescue teams, surgeons, CEOs, basically anyone who had to achieve and sustain high performance under very, very stressful conditions and environments. So it was life-changing for those people, and it was actually really life-changing for me and a big um, impact on my career. So I went through the training. I realized that while I was a high-performing leader and one of those high achievers, I was giving everything to the company. I was sacrificing myself in the process. Um, I experienced health issues, had some pretty scary health diagnoses, um, but found that I was also compromising my sleep, just giving everything to my company and to my daughters, but wasn't leaving enough for myself there. So the training was eye-opening. It kind of began my journey into the next chapter of and, and a focus on trying to get to the best version of myself something that I work on every day and will continue to. Um, and I realized I really wanted to do this for other people too. So I became part of the leadership team, received my formal ICF executive coaching degree. I'd been coaching and advising leaders for years and again, got the opportunity to flex my entrepreneurial muscle and built a new executive development and well-being program that went beyond traditional coaching and development to include areas like health and wellness and mental and emotional resilience and character-centered leadership. J&J um, made a strategic decision to move the Institute into its HR division because we worked within, with J&J leaders, but also a lot of external companies and closed the commercial business. So that led me to my latest endeavor, which is I'm the CEO of Evolve Leadership. Um, we've really expanded on what 
you know, I originally did at J&J, but expanded on that type of training. And I get to lead a team of amazing coaches and physiologists, dietitians, and other health and human performance experts and have, you know, again, find myself in a, in a dream job that I love and that's incredibly rewarding. So that's what, what led me to here. Wow. Well, that is quite a journey. So you've obviously not only, you know, experienced the challenges in a workplace, but on a personal level. And yeah. at least from what I can see this morning, you are still alive and breathing and obviously still <laughs> effective. So for anybody who's struggling today, there is hope. I mean, we have proof of it right here on the show. So in your journey, in your travels, I would imagine you've probably run across a great deal of senior HR leaders. In your experience, how has things changed? How has the, the career path changed? How have the responsibilities changed over the years since you've been observing this? Yeah, I think it's huge. And uh, I think you and I talked about this a little before the the weight on the shoulders of the HR leader is significant. Um, they're very strategic part of the executive team that you know helps develop the, and execute the business strategy and plan that used not didn't used to be the case. Um, they also they have a broader view and scope of the organization and and beyond even more so I think than other some of the other C-suite roles like CFO or COO. They're really stewards of some of the most important assets now to a, a corporation or a company that determines its market values. So the people, the culture, the company values, all these things we know, those are now some of the most important assets and how a company is value, you know, valued. And so that alone is is huge. But then needing to know what's going on in society, um, being the voice of the consumer and the customer and the employee, HR is just basically at the center of everything. But what we're seeing is in the, some of the most even most respective companies is their cultures are being challenged. Their company values are being scrutinized. The leaders are being scrutinized. Are they doing enough to take care of their employees? Are they creating truly diverse environments and, and equal opportunities? Are they doing enough for environment and the society? Are they taking a stance on controversial political and social issues? And where do you draw the line? And the HR leader is at the center of all this. There's so much weight on the shoulder. So that's just the way of the world before the pandemic and everything that went on. But, um, you know, as, as you had mentioned to me, people are questioning, do we even want this role? You know, there, there's so much sacrifice involved in it and so much required that I think it's one of the most stressful roles in an organization. Well, for the HR professionals who have wanted this all these years, and now suddenly it's thrust upon them, how is the stress and burnout, how is that evident with them from what you've observed and seen in your practice? How does it show up? Well, I, I coach some HR leaders, but also talk to many of them because I'm also coaching, you know, their CEOs or other leaders in their companies. So I think it's first, it's important to note that all of us, you know, everyone's struggling in some way because of what's happened in the world over the past year. But, you know, the pandemic, the racial injustice, the increased demands, there's more stakeholders that the HR leader is responsible to well beyond the employees, the, as I mentioned before, consumers, communities, boards. Um, but I don't know if you saw the October 2020 report through Reward Gateway, but 71% of HR professionals that reported in the US, UK, and Australia um, said it's been the most stressful year of their career. Um, so that is a huge impact. And they're facing challenges they've never faced before. Um, they need to provide guidance to company leaders on, on 
subjects and things that they don't have answers to. There's no playbook. There's no easy choices. They're torn. It's when do you come back? Not to work. People say go back to work, but we've been working maybe harder than ever. But when to go back to the office, how to come back, how to ensure employee, you know, well-being and safety is in place. And that's physical and psychological. We're seeing a rising prevalence of mental health issues with um, the broader population and of employees, but also with HR leaders. Um, employee retention is, is a huge challenge for them right now, not only because of the burnout, now there's preferred working arrangements. So companies are poaching other, other employees. Um, I think we're also seeing a fast track in um, getting more diverse leaders in place which is important, right? That we're, we're trying to catch up and do what we're supposed to do. But when you're moving someone maybe two steps along um, and moving them, fast tracking them so quickly, are we preparing them for those roles or are we setting them up for success? All of this weighs on the HR leader. So I hear a lot of challenge around that. Um, and then around succession planning, ensuring a strong bench, which has become more and more challenging. And they're telling me, well, we all know this, right? They have to develop these new ways of training for a new way of leading and working. And what do you tap into? There's no resource, there's no training for that. So, and, and how do you help each other is a challenge because they're going nonstop. But I do see higher levels of stress and, and burnout in the HR population because they're in a helping profession. So similar to healthcare workers. So either if you're in a helping role or if you're working for a company that focuses on, you know, life-changing medications or, or serving others, um, these people are trained to take care of others. It's in their personality, often in their DNA. And then forget what they have to do at home, parenting, caregiving. We talked about you and, 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 and the caregiving and, and me. We, we have, many of us have parents that we have to take care of and children. So I think, um, everything outside of work and if you have family members struggling for you know from mental health issues or other issues or you're in relationship issues yourself it's just a perfect storm well i feel like i need a drink now after hearing <laughs> that and I, we barely scratched the surface i suspect yeah. whoever's listening right now has probably been nodding their head like that's me that's me that's me so how do we handle this we already know that things are looking pretty bleak right now but is there an alternative other than alcohol and drugs and you know whatever else people do? What's a healthy way to handle this? Yeah, I think what I learned in my training that I referenced at the Human Performance Institute 12 years ago um, was that we really need to focus on energy. So I've heard people talk a lot about how do you manage your time better and how do you find the time to do this? And the, the answer is we can't find more time. There's only, time is finite, but we can build more energy, but it is intentionally training. It takes some work. Um, and we need to make sure we not only build more energy for ourselves, but that we make the appropriate energy investment. We have to really check in on ourselves. Are we investing the energy and the time in the places where, you know, that are most important to us? Um, because at the end of the day, if we, work so hard and kill ourselves at work and then come home to our families, or in this case, we're living with them, but they get the worst of us, we're exhausted and depleted, then you know we're not living into the life that we wanted, that best self. And really the first step, which I think is critical, no matter what you're doing, the first thing you need to do is identify your personal purpose. And I just wanna stress personal purpose, but this takes time, but it's the, one of the most important things you can do for yourself. 
Um, some questions you can ask yourself. So for your listeners um, to help you identify your purpose, because a lot of people think they have it and they don't, or, it, or it's misaligned. So one is just, why am I here? Uh, another is what must I achieve to have lived a meaningful life? And then third is what impact do I want to have on others? So something to reflect on to take a little, it, it takes time. Um, but even if it's when you're in the shower, if it's the only time you find that you're alone and have time to think about it, it's so important. And, and I stress personal because so many times, and again, especially for those helping industries, companies, individuals, um, people work for a company that has a great noble purpose um, and they confuse their company purpose with their personal purpose. Company purpose is important. Don't misunderstand that. Um, and now people are demanding, employees are demanding to work for a company that has a purpose, that has strong values. Um, but you can't sacrifice yourself in the process. So your purpose has to be your personal and it should transcend your role. It should be focused on others, but it should transcend your role in your company because you're not always gonna work for that company or have that role. Um, so one is really focus on you and why you're here in your life. The second is it should be measurable. Can't stress that enough either um, with metrics. So the same way you're building in metrics and goals for your job, build in, you know, what's your purpose? How are you going to get there? What's the action plan? And what are, what are the metrics? How can you measure and make sure you're, you know, in the right place along the way? So I'll just give you an example. Uh, or a lot of women that I coach will say, I just want to empower other women. I want to help bring other women along. I want to elevate women in diversity, whatever it is. But that's so broad. So you can either say you've checked the box and achieved it, or you can just do so many things and burn out and feel like you didn't get anywhere. So it should be more specific in terms of what they want to achieve. And I'll tell you for myself, 12 years ago, I said, of course, I'm a single parent. My purpose is going to be to be the best mom to my daughters, which sounded really good to me. Um, but we're all really master storytellers and we can fool ourselves because what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, I do anything my, my kids want? I give them everything. Do I pay to get them into colleges? Like, what, what does it really mean to be the best mom? So for me, I had to refine it and say, um, based on everything they had been through and I had, I wanted to raise strong, caring and independent daughters. I wanted to teach them that they could overcome and achieve anything. So that was important because of what they'd been through. And by their behavior, I could see if they were making progress. And by my behavior, that required me to role model the way I work, the way I engage with them. And then they got older and, and moved out of the house. So I built on the purpose and said, and maintain meaningful connections with them as adults. And so purpose is evolutionary. You want to start with something and then you can continue to build on it as your life changes and, and things change around you. And for me, I'm able to do that, uh, maintain those meaningful connections because it's about quality, not the quantity. So maybe I don't get to see them as often, but I have to make sure that when I'm talking to them, I don't have my laptop up. I'm not looking at anything on myself when I'm not doing something else in the house. I'm focused, even if it's two minutes on the phone. And so that's important is the measurement part. And then the third is just, it should reflect self-value because some people have this wonderful, amazing purpose of saving the world, but again, because of their sacrifice. So you need to reflect yourself and your value in that purpose. And that means it not only has to preserve you and allow you to flourish and live into your passion, but um, there should be personal meaning for you too. So it shouldn't be so unselfish that you don't find value for yourself. So 
it's an exercise, it's a reflection, but it's really some of the most important time I think you'll spend is you, if you get that purpose right, then there's work to be done, but that's where you have to start no matter what. So you gave us your purpose statement and it sounds like a person has permission to modify it as you go along. Mm -hmm. Could you share maybe some other purpose statements you've heard from other people? Cause that was really directed toward your situation. What, what are some others that you've heard that actually seem like they checked the right boxes with this? Yeah, a lot of them are personal, so which is okay. And, and your personal purpose, I should say, your company, it should be aligned with your company purpose in a sense of it, your company purpose should allow it. If your company purpose doesn't allow you to live it because of some of the requirements, then you have to rethink it. But some have been more specific to their families. Um, some have been more specific to work, but um, again, helping others. So I have had women refine their purpose to say, not just elevating the performance of others, but be more specific. I wanna help you know, teenagers um, in, in middle, middle school um, you know, shift the trajectory or, or you know, get into schools, or I've heard everything around specific opportunities to elevate uh, younger women. I've heard um, the ability to elevate women in roles, you know, put more diverse leaders into role, into positions within my company and the companies I serve for uh, a leader I know in the executive search space. Um, it can be around the company purpose, but it has to, uh, it has to link, like I said, with your personal purpose and not sacrifice it. So um, I, everything around family, around um, work purpose, if you have an entrepreneur, um, I, there's, I've had a client focused on, uh, bringing clean water to others. Um, so it, again, it really comes down to the specifics around it and what's important to that individual. And so I would never try to prescribe a purpose to someone, but rather pressure test it with them to say, okay, at the end of your life, if you've done this, what are the steps that you needed to take? And what did you need to do? You know, when will you give yourself an A on the report card? Like I did that, I achieved it. So it's not so much about what the purpose is, it's you know, that it has meaning to them and that they can truly measure themselves and that at the end of their life, because you don't know what that is. So many people say, I'll wait, I wanna do that. I'm really excited about that. I care about that. I'm gonna wait till my kids are older or I finish this role or whatever, but don't wait because you may never get that chance. Well, what you've been talking about is the purpose statement, but you've mentioned best life a couple of times. Where does that fit into the equation? I think you need to define, so you define your purpose and why you're here. Um, I think really the first step around that, how do you bring that to life is through this concept of managing your energy that again, I, another thing I learned at the Institute, which really was a game changer for me. So how do you manage your energy, get the right amount of energy so you can invest it to activate that purpose. And I think the key to learn there is energy is multiple is multidimensional. So there's your physical energy, emotional, mental, and spiritual, which um, the Institute, they referred to as purpose. And you have to invest in all areas because if you have a deficit in one, then it's going to impact the other areas. So just as an example, if you're not sleeping or eating well or moving throughout the day, um, you're going to probably make poor decisions or maybe not treat people as well as, as you might have if you had. Um, but you're not going to be able to function well. You're not going to be able to make good decisions at work you're not going to be able to sustain yourself throughout the day. So the key is you've got to focus on four areas. So just some very 
tactical examples of what you can do. On the physical side, that's associated with exercise and sleep, your hydration, your nutrition. So move throughout the day, so critical. And people will say, well, I don't have time to exercise or, well, or I did, I did a 30 minute workout in the morning. Uh, but what they found, in fact, I don't know if you saw the University of Colorado study, but it showed that people who move, it took two groups of people, that people who moved throughout the day um, for five minutes, six times, so a, a total of 30 minutes, right? Versus people who worked out for 30 minutes on a treadmill in the morning, so a more rigorous workout. The people who moved throughout the day just for five minutes had higher levels of energy, higher performance, and lower stress levels. So the idea is not try to pack something in quickly. It's, it's more, if you had a choice, move throughout the day. Ideally, you can do both, but definitely try to get movement in throughout the day. In terms of a, a quick strategic option, there's a, an app. It's a free app, Johnson & Johnson 7-Minute Workout app. Seven minutes full body workout. You can do it anywhere, no equipment. I've done it like outside with my young children at the time and my older parents, but you know, get some strategic exercise in, high intensity full body exercise in. Um, snacking, people go hours without eating. Way to, to renew your energy is just prepare a small, you know, if you prepare it and are strategic, you'll eat the right snacks and you'll do it. But even if it's a bag of trail mix, but every couple hours, make sure you, you eat for energy. And then obviously sleep seven to eight hours is a recommendation, but good hygiene. So get off your devices, get away from work at least an hour before bed, because otherwise we take it with us. And then we wake up either thinking, worrying, ruminating, whatever it is creating. But the idea is definitely that's it on the, on the physical side, on the emotional side, that's energy associated with the stories we have in our heads, our private voices. Um, but examples of what you can do there, are just deep breathing, mindfulness, meditation, quick techniques there. Laughter is a huge antidote to um, you know, emotional energy depletion. Conscious acts of kindness, just do some random acts of kindness for someone, it goes a long way to renew your energy. Take an alternative view. So if you're at work or at home or you're dealing with someone and you're frustrated with them, try to step back and think maybe something's going on. Am I looking at the whole situation? Do I have all the information? That can change your emotional energy or connecting with people you love. You know, um, you were just talking about your mom. If you're having a really stressful day, just disconnecting or your daughter, one of your children, just pull away and a quick text or a call to someone can really shift that energy. So that's the emotional. On the mental side, um, that's your ability to stay focused and have a growth mindset, be agile, be able to pivot. This is probably a, one of the biggest areas people struggle with. And um, because we have so much coming at us, so much information, so much to do, and we're distracted and we multitask. And um, But some ways to, to really train your mental muscle would be journaling and thinking, just taking the time to think. We never do that, even if it's 10 minutes a day. Um, visualization and mental rehearsal before you're going into a difficult meeting or conversation. Um, what do you want the outcome to be? Huge opportunity is giving someone 100% attention. So how often are we sitting there? Um, you know, you go to a restaurant, I see couples both on their phones or one on their phone. I see families all on their phones and it's saying whatever's on this little device here is more important than you and the time we could have had together. Or in, in the room with people, if someone we're all working or many of us are working at home for the moment, if someone walks in the room in your family and you're not on a call, 
just like put the top of your laptop down and it says to them, you're more important than what's here and you're focused. So there's little steps that you can take. I remember when my kids were younger and I thought I was being a good mom and spending time with them and they'd be watching TV and I'd be in the room with my laptop working. And one day my younger daughter said to me, uh, mom, this is the family room and that hurt. <laughs> that, that was tough, but she was right. So don't, don't fool yourself into thinking you're spending time with people when you're also spending time with something else that maybe even has a bigger draw. Um, I think some other really helpful um, tips for uh, your audience would be Zoom breaks. Try to not have every meeting be a Zoom meeting. Do a favor to others on the call. Offer a walking meeting to, you know, if it's a one-on-one -on -one or just a few members where you're all walking or doing something. Um, one thing I do, which I think is really helpful, is ending 30-minute meetings five minutes early or 60-minute meetings 10 minutes early. You're not only building in a break of energy renewal break for yourself, but for everybody else in your call, you're sending them a message that, you know, this is why I'm doing it and go do that for yourself. Um, and a lot of people will take that break and go right on their phone and check their email or do whatever. But there's, um, I don't know if you heard about the smartphone and cognition study, but that showed that when you take a break from a meeting and you check things on your phone, there's actually no break in the cognition. It's not recovery for your brain and it's operating the same way as it's still working. So these micro breaks, if you want to be really strategic and combine all of these, you know, energy um, renewals in, in all dimensions into one move, it's build in micro breaks throughout your day. Two minutes is all you need. You could even do it in one minute, but disconnect from what you're doing, walk, stretch, whatever, get up and move. There's the physical, um, have a quick snack, text someone that you care about. So I would encourage everybody to try this when they get off text, whether it's a family member or a friend who's been struggling or someone you haven't heard from in a while, just text them. I'm thinking about you. I love you. Just one simple statement. It's going to change your own energy and you've just made the day of somebody else. So it's an easy thing to do. And then think about it. You go back into your meeting. You just have this renewal and you've, you've renewed yourself in all dimensions. So it's really about being intentional, putting these things on your calendar, putting metrics around them and developing a toolkit so that you have them throughout the day. Does that make sense? It is. That's a great <laughs> prescription. And uh, wow. I mean, it seems like you're going to have to carve time out for it, but it seems like it's well worth it. And by doing this, I guess we start figuring out who the best self is, right? Well, one thing you can do is take some time and just write down and I'm, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, when you're your best self, what, how would you describe yourself? Just some words. Uh, energetic, focused, creative. Yeah, those are my words. Yeah. So um, is that for in and outside of the workplace? Yeah, it's both actually. Okay, energetic, focused and creative. Yeah. So that's how you operate when you're your best self. That's when you're having a good day and you're on. And then I would say, how often, what percentage of your time are you your best self when you're working? Oh, God, that's probably only 25%. I'm very lazy. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we all struggle. So um, thank you for your honesty. Um, and then what percentage of your best self would you say you are at home? Oh, it's probably 10%. Okay. And, and you're like everyone else, right? So if we take this time and say, wow, when I'm having a good day, when I'm at my best, 
these are the words that describe me. I want them to describe me more often. So what can I do? Well, I found that when I move throughout the day, as you, as you try these things, you're not going to take everything I just told you and do them, but pick one or two things. And when you do something, what happens? Find out what happens. You can tell when you have a renewal of energy, you're going to shift. Your mood's going to shift. Your energy's going to shift. You're going to be ready for the next whatever it is. Um, but so figure out what it is that you want to, how you want to show up. What are those words and how can you do it more often and start to build in those strategies. So while you said it takes a while, you can actually do these things in short increments. And like I said, one is just changing the way you schedule your meetings. You're still having the meeting. All you're doing is building in a break rather than going, it's 3.30, my meeting's ending, my next one's at 3.30. Oh, I have to, I have to run to the restroom. I don't have time. How am I going to, I'm thirsty. It's just giving yourself a chance to breathe. Mm -hmm. So um, you can do simple things. It doesn't have to be major things. All right. Well, I have one more thing I want to ask you. So mm -hmm. I, as we were talking, I was developing my purpose statement. Okay. So I want you to ah. pressure test this with me. All right. I want a life that is 100% free of stress. So yeah. pressure test it with me. Well, that's, that's not a purpose. That's a desire. So that's a uh. purpose is why you're here. So, and, and I would encourage, I would say to you, um, stress isn't a bad thing. Uh, um, you're killing me. I thought stress was awful. <laughs> No, I think if you get a look at what the definition of stress is, and that's really your body's reaction to a challenge or demand, um, when it's harmful is when it's excessive. You know, you experience stress when you're pressured or, or facing changes or worried or feeling out of control. But stress is also what happens when you take on a challenge or, you know, physically when you run a marathon, when you take on a new job. It's really about burnout. And that's when stress exceeds capacity. So you need to learn to build your capacity and build in recovery and stress responses. So wanting a world without stress, what you really want is a world without stress that is that you are unable to manage. Um, but stress is in the world. You'll never have that. You're always going to have stress. In fact, it's going to increase. It's about your ability to build in strategic recovery to address it. But your purpose could be in helping other people to eliminate stress. So when I think about you and your purpose, I would not define that for you, but I would say, look at the gift you're bringing to HR leaders. You're here to help them better manage their jobs and their lives. That is a huge purpose. So you would define it in your own words, but, and then how do you measure it? You could certainly measure it by the number of listeners you have, the feedback you have, the guests that want to be on your show that's a noble purpose and that can actually if you go back to that purpose if that were yours and say when that's happening do i feel those three words energize create a focus right mm -hmm. then you're on to something so i feel i think you're a little more further along than you think well that's good to know all right so there has to be some stress i need to just work on managing it well, managing myself managing. toward it Right? Yeah, but it's also building capacity. So the idea is um, stress is, is also a catalyst for growth. So when you lift weights, you're stressing your muscles. You don't grow your muscles when you lift weights. You grow your muscles when you go into recovery. That's when the growth occurs. And in the same way, it, you know, for us as individuals, mental stress is, is good for us. Challenging yourself, taking on a, a stretch job or a new job or public speaking when you're not comfortable, that's that's good stress, but then you need to build in strategic recovery so that when you recover is when you actually grow. 
And so the idea is match the recovery to the stress. If your stress is going for a run, then you take a little break and stretch and maybe take a day off if you need to. If you're going for a marathon, you're gonna maybe take a week off and go get a massage or do whatever it is, you know, get some, go see a chiropractor. But the idea is the bigger the stress, the bigger the recovery. And as long as you balance and oscillate those, um, you can actually continue to improve and increase your ability to take on more in the same way if you were increasing your weights. As long as you build in the recovery and as long as you do it strategically throughout your day, don't wait for the weekend or the vacation, but really build in this oscillatory function for yourself in your life. And those micro breaks are a good example. You're able to take on more. You're able to get go into the next meeting and make the good decisions and be there for your family. Does that That's make great. sense? It does. Well, lots of great advice here. And I think if somebody's listening today and says, well, this is good, but I really need some help. Karen, are you available to take on coaching clients? How would my audience reach you? How would they find your books? How do they find out more about you? So yes, and I have actually a team of coaches, at, um, amazing coaches that I'm happy to refer out as well. But um, people can reach me through LinkedIn. It's Karen with a C, C-A-R-E-N-K-E-N-N-E-Y. They can reach out to me through our company website. It's evolveleadership.com. Um, and the book is called Leading with Character that I co-authored with Dr. Jim Lair. Um, it's actually a book and a journal about creating your your own legacy in leadership and in life. Um, and that you can get on Amazon or bookstores or whatever, but would love to hear from anyone and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Yeah. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, giving us really practical advice, Karen. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thank you, Mac. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>